the whole way that our world does sex, it's not only ungodly, it's not the most desirable or the most pleasurable. Because let me say this, here's a little shocker for you religious people, who made sex? God, it wasn't an accident. It's not like God made Adam, God made Eve, God went out for coffee, came back, looked down, I was like, holy heck, I never would have guessed. I never would have guessed. What, what the heck? It, it works, but I, I didn't see that coming. I did not know. They would put that jigsaw puzzle together quite like that. I had no idea it was gonna go down like that. Right? Somebody put up a glory cloud. The angels can't see this. They gotta, hold on, don't see this. God created the human body, true or false? God made it male and female, true or false? And when you put them together, it can be fun, true or false? That was not an accident, that was divine design. Well, howdy, welcome to the Real Marriage Podcast. My name is Mark Driscoll and my lovely co-host is? Grace. Grace Driscoll. You gotta say your last name, otherwise- Grace they, Driscoll. There we go. Otherwise we got the worst marriage podcast ever, unless it's a husband and a wife. Hey, welcome to uh, this season of episodes. The, uh, the conference that we spoke at, the marriage retreat that we taught at was called Win Your Marriage War. There are three main sessions, a few Q and A's, where we give some deep, profound insights, and I also say crazy things, and Grace has a nice big laugh. So it's gonna be great when we get there. And the subject for this one is one flesh. So we're gonna talk about what you really wanna talk about. Grace, in the meantime, why don't you just read a quick review and then we'll jump right into this episode. Don says, thank you, Pastor Mark and Grace, for your ministry. I have followed for over 10 years, and for Valentine's Day, my husband flew us from Indianapolis to Phoenix to worship and attend a service at Trinity. You make a difference for Jesus. Thank you, baby, for reading the review. Thanks for joining us for the Real Marriage Podcast. One, two, three, here we go. How many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many of you, when it comes to the sex talk, you know that you did not do everything God's way, amen? My wife, Grace, and I, we did it wrong. Let me start by telling you how wrong we did it to give you encouragement. Because if we can make it, you can make it. That's the big idea. So Grace grew up in a very conservative Christian home. How many of you, that would be you, right? Christian home. So she grew up listening to Keith Green. Uh, If you know who that is, you grew up in a very conservative Christian home, okay? I grew up uh, down the street from a strip club next to an airport where they had the Green River Killer and Ted Bundy, two serial killers for prostitutes. So here's what I'm telling you. We were this close to agreeing sexually on a lot of things. We had nothing in common. We got married. I was not a virgin. Grace was not a virgin. We met. We started sleeping together. She wasn't walking with the Lord. I did not know the Lord. I go off to college and I become a Christian reading the book of Romans as a Jack Catholic boy like Martin Luther. I go to one of my very first Bible studies and it's for college guys. So what do you think that the the topic was? It was sex. So an older guy gets up and he says, today I'm teaching on fornication. I thought that's a brand new F word. Never heard that F word (laughs) my whole life. And he started saying that fornication was like having sex outside of marriage or before you're married. And I thought, well, certainly that can't be what it refers to. Um, and, then, and then it dawned on me, I might be fornicating. I'd never thought of this in my whole life. So I called Grace and she was 300 miles away at college, pastor's daughter, who wasn't walking with the Lord. And uh, she said, uh, I said, hey, I think 
I think we might be fornicating. She said, oh yeah, we totally are. Oh, okay, I didn't know this. So now I gotta figure out, do I continue to fornicate or not? And I'll let you in on a little secret. I kind of liked it. Okay, um, we'll just proceed from there. But nonetheless, I wasn't incredibly motivated to do what God said. My thought was, well, we've already slept together. Isn't this like a car that ran an intersection? If you hit the brakes, you could die. You should just keep going. That's kind of what I thought. So I called the guy who did the Bible study on fornication and I was trying to find some sort of exception clause for me. And so I called him up and I said, uh, hey, yeah, that was a really good Bible study on fornication. Thanks for all that Greek work. Um, brand new Christian. And uh, I said, yeah, uh, I'm calling for a friend of mine. Okay. I fear they may be fornicating. I didn't tell him my friend was Grace. I didn't tell him that. <laughs> and I asked him, I said, so fornicating is sex outside of marriage? He's like, right. I said, well, what if you've already done it? It's too late, right? He's like, no, you need to stop immediately. I was like, ugh. I said, well, I've not read the whole Bible. Now I'm a Greek scholar. Now, every single guy who's naughty pretends to be a Greek scholar. I was like, well, what does fornication mean in the Greek? So I'm trying to get some exception clause for me. And he says, no, you have two choices. You can either do what God says or not do what God says. I was like, dang it, that's so simple. Um, and in that moment, what I realized was everything I had thought about sex was wrong. And then I realized that I was either going to have a renewing of my mind or a ruining of our relationship. Okay, I'm a 19 year old kid at this point. So we stopped sleeping together and we told our pastor and we met for premarital counseling and we got married. And what we have come to realize is that when it comes to sex, there's really three perspectives. Sex is gross, God, or gift. In our relationship, for Grace, sex was gross because she grew up in a religious environment that was very conservative and also she had trauma and abuse. So for her, it was gross. For me, it was like God. Since I didn't have a religion until I met Jesus, really sex was my thing that I enjoyed the most and looked the most forward to. Neither of us had this perspective that sex was a gift from God. It's not gross and it's not God, it's a gift from God to be stewarded and enjoyed. It took us a lot of years, biblical study, prayer, forgiveness, a bit of counseling and some work to come to an agreement. Because sometimes what she would think is, well, you're just a little extreme. And sometimes I would think, well, you're just a little extreme. And the truth is we were both a little extreme and neither of us were very biblical. So as we get into this issue of sexuality, I don't know where you start or what perspective you have, and it may be very different from your spouse. And the whole reason you're here may be, I hope that Mark makes them agree with me so we can do it the way I want. Nope, and there's no money back. So you're just gonna have to live with what I say. Okay, so let's start with marriage, sex, and gender before sin entered the world as God intended it when God created it. Genesis 2.24, a man shall leave his father and mother. So you single guys, you gotta move, okay? You gotta move and hold fast, that is vigorously pursue his wife and they'll become what? One flesh. So marriage is covenant and consummation. 
It's covenant in the sight of God and it's consummation physically. Okay, that's what it is. So God's intent for your marriage is that you would be one. And the question is not which one. We get married and we fight. Well, are you gonna be me or am I gonna be you? It's not which one, it's a new one. You're, you're new. The two become one. And the word here, one, it's a, it's a little Hebrew word that God uses for himself. Uh, it says over and over, hear Israel, the Lord our God is one. The word there is the same word here. As the Father, Son, and Spirit are three persons, they're one. So the husband and the wife, though two persons, are to be one and one flesh. Now, let me say this. And if you're young, this is going to blow your mind because what God creates, Satan counterfeits. God made us with a sex. Two options, binary. What are they? Male and female. There's a demon named Spectrum that has created an alternative in our culture called the gender spectrum. We don't believe in demons, we believe in scripture. So we believe that God made us male and female. And sometimes people will say, God made me the wrong gender. What you're saying is God sinned against you and God failed you and you're now going to reassign your gender and that's your way of getting God to repent of his sin and failure against you. Everything that God creates, Satan counterfeits. God made us male and female with sex and then he gave us gender. So men are to be masculine, women are to be feminine. That's why the Bible says certain things to women and other things to men. Crazy idea because God thinks that there's men and women. And I know that we don't believe this anymore. Like right now, you can go to Target and choose either bathroom. I'm telling you, that's not how it's gonna be in heaven. There's gonna be two bathrooms and you don't get to pick one. Okay? And when it says things like this in 1 Corinthians, it tells the men to act like men. Two crazy ideas. There are men. That's the first crazy idea. And the other is, that men should act like men. Right? So God made sex and gender, and gender is tied to sex. So there's male and female, masculine and feminine, and then there is sexuality, which is male-female attraction. You can see where Satan has really made a mess of everything. We don't have men and women, we don't have masculinity and femininity, and we don't have sexual attraction, men for women and women for men. Romans 1 says that this is the problem in our world. And the result is that marriage is for a man who is masculine, a woman who is feminine. The man is attracted to the woman, the woman is attracted to the man, and they marry and consummate their covenant. All of that is what we see here in Genesis 1 and 2 when God was finished with his created work. Now that being said, all of the death and destruction and all of the difficulty that has come is because sin has entered the world. When God was done, everything was good and very good. Everything was perfect, nothing was broken. The man and the wife were naked, they felt no shame and they were to be one and that's God's intent. Everything that has happened that caused us, us pains, problems and peril since is because of Satan, demons and demonic attack. And I hit it in the first session, Satan didn't even show up until Adam and Eve were married. Spiritual warfare is always on gender, sexuality, identity, and marriage. And would you say that today Satan has declared war on our culture in regards to gender, sexuality, identity, and marriage? Yes. 
And what that means is that as God's people, we cannot be conformed to the pattern of this world. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The way that we see all of these issues, including our sexuality, it needs to be asking God what his mind is and having the kingdom come to live in our marriages rather than just doing what the world does, which never works because God doesn't bless it, okay? Second scripture I wanna give you in regards to sexuality, Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 31. Uh, I wanted a gospel that had a very handsome title. So we're gonna go to Mark 12, 29 through 31. Uh, Jesus answered, the most important commandment is this. So the religious people come up to Jesus, they're like, okay, we read the Old Testament, it's really big. Can you just sort of boil it down to a tweet? We're just looking for a real little summary. He says, okay, I'll do that for you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. The same word for the husband and the wife is for the Lord. As the Lord is one, the husband and wife are to be one. And you shall love the Lord your God. And then there are four different categories. With all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And the love is, if you wanna be one with God, it's in the heart, that's your emotional life. It's your soul, that's your spiritual life. It's your mind, that's your mental life. It's your strength, that's your physical life. Jesus is here dealing with four aspects of the human person. And then he says, in addition to loving God, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, okay? Here's the big idea. Martin Luther, the great uh, Protestant reformer, he said that your spouse is your nearest and dearest neighbor. Right, we all read in the Bible, love your neighbor. Who's your nearest neighbor? Your spouse. That's your first neighbor. So you wanna love God and be one with them. You wanna love your spouse and be one with them so that together you and your spouse on behalf of the Lord can love and serve others. So here's what I wanna talk about. I wanna talk about marriage and sex, but I wanna talk about sex in the way that God sees it. And that is loving your spouse as your nearest neighbor with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength so that the two of you can become one as God and one, as one. So first of all, it's one heart emotionally. Okay. What oftentimes happens when we have the sex talk, we immediately go to the physical, okay? We immediately go to the physical. You need to start with the emotional. And this is where you love one another from the heart. Let me say this to the men. We have to touch our wife's heart before we touch her body. Ladies, true or false? It's true. A lot of guys are like, I wanna touch your body. He's like, you better touch your heart first. You better connect emotionally before you connect physically. Because the way that God hardwired a woman, her deepest and greatest need is for safety and security. How many of you women don't wanna be intimate with someone who is violent, dangerous, or unhealthy? Physically, the way that God literally created a woman is for the sexual act, she cannot really enjoy it or be present unless she is relaxed. What that requires is emotional safety. And a lot of times guys will say, well, I don't know, we can't just have sex because for the woman, it starts in the heart long before it moves to the hands. Until you connect at the level of the heart emotionally, she's not ready to connect sexually and physically. Um, for some people, the reason this is hard is because of trauma. If you've been used or abused or had hurt or trauma in your past, it could be very hard to have emotional and physical intimacy. Some of you may need to go back and meet with a professional or a pastor and work through some of the trauma in your past. You may have some things that need to be healed up that you've not yet fully dealt with. 
In addition, there's a researcher named John Gottman. He's at the University of Washington, and uh, he's considered one of the leading data experts on marriage. He says he can predict with a more than 90% success rate, a couple that will end up in divorce. I don't get an indication that he is a Christian, but he is a clinician. And what he says is one of the four horsemen, he calls them the four horsemen, it's like the four horsemen of the apocalypse, what brings death into the marriage, one of them is the harsh startup. How many of you, there are certain subjects or times of day or, or maybe under certain circumstances, when you have a conversation about something that is emotional, you have a harsh startup. Meaning you start with the crazy eyes, you all know what the crazy eyes are, when your spouse looks at you with a crazy eyes, you're like, I don't wanna have this conversation. Uh, or they raise their voice, hey! Or like, and you see the finger, so you see the finger, you know you're in. And let me just tell you, gentlemen, this is the universal sign for it's gonna be a bad day. When her wrists go to her hips, <laughs> it is not heaven down, it's hell up. That's where you're going, that's what I'm telling you. There are certain clues and cues that we give that it's gonna be a hard startup, right? And when we hear words like always and never, you always do that, you never do that. And when we hear words just like, you're just like your mother, you're just like your father, as soon as we start bringing in ancestors, you know it's gonna get ugly. Harsh startup. And so what that means is if we're gonna have an emotional conversation, like I talked about in the Q&A, it's good to have the conversation about how to have the conversation. Right? See, Grace and I learned this the hard way. We got five kids, we're real busy, we do ministry. We would tend to have the deep conversations at the end of the day while lying in bed because it was our only seeming free time. You know what, I don't wanna talk about at 1 a.m., anything. But if I don't give Grace an opportunity to have that conversation, it's going to end up being at bedtime and then we have a harsh startup. For some of you, you don't talk about certain issues because emotionally those issues are like a grenade with a pin bolt. You're like, we just stay away from that. If you proceed near that, it's going to explode. Emotionally, you need to have the talk about how to have the talk. Maybe you bring in the pastor or professional, you work through some of the trauma or hurt, you get to a place of healing so that you can connect emotionally. One thing that we get into in the uh, Real Marriage book is that there's basically three kinds of marriages. There's the back-to-back. -back. This is where you're fighting and arguing. So literally, it's this. I'm not looking at you, I'm not talking to you, I'm not paying attention to you, I'm ignoring you. Sometimes we do this by being on our phone, sometimes we do this by going to do things in the garage, sometimes we just stay at work because we don't wanna come home, sometimes we stay busy with the kids with the laundry or the tasks, uh, sometimes literally we'll just talk to someone but we're not going to look at them. This is back to back. If you're having this conversation, you are not emotionally connecting. Where a lot of marriages get stuck is what we call shoulder to shoulder. This is where you got a lot of things to do and you're kind of coworkers. You're more roommates than you are soulmates. How many of you, you're busy, life is busy, right? We got five kids, there's always something to do. We've got ministry, there's always something to do. Grace and I are world-class at shoulder to shoulder. We can plan a church, we can raise kids, we can write a book, we can get stuff done. How many of you are really good together you're like, you get the right oar, I get the left oar, and shoulder to shoulder, we are just gonna power through life together. How many of you are really good at the shoulder to shoulder? Okay. The key is the face to face. That literally the emotional life is revealed in the face. Let me prove it to you. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. Don't do this for too long. Just for a moment, 
just turn and look at your spouse. Look them in the eye. Just look at them. Just keep looking until I tell you otherwise. Just keep looking. You're all smiling. You're cute. Some of you are a little flirty. You're in church. Dial it back. A couple of you are already kissing. That was quick. <laughs> okay. Welcome back to our session. Come on back, kids. Okay. What just happened is you just went from shoulder to shoulder to face to face. And what happened? I won't repeat what that guy said, but he's gonna have a good night, okay? Um, he is. The only way you really connect and love one another from the heart emotionally, it takes a lot of face-to-face. -face. See, when you're dating, you get a lot of face-to-face, -face, and then when you're married, it's a lot of text and a lot of shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder and a lot of back-to-back. -back. And you gotta carve out that time for face-to-face. This is where every day you gotta sit down and look one another in the eye and turn the phone off. How many of you are very frustrated because you'll be talking to your spouse and they're on their phone and you're like, you're not paying attention. Yeah, I am, I'm listening, but you're not looking. It's not just listening, it's looking. That a lot of the emotion is communicated in the face and it's face to face. The language of the Bible is that uh, now we see in part and we know in part, but one day we will see God face to face. The language of the Bible is ultimately that the friends of God are those who see God face to face. The old reformers used to talk about living quorum Deo, which is in the face of God. So before you touch your spouse's body, you gotta to touch their heart. And the way you touch their heart is face to face. It's getting that time together. So in addition to one heart emotionally, it's one soul spiritually. Love the Lord your God and love your nearest neighbor with all your heart, emotional life, all your soul, spiritual life. When it comes to the soul, let me say this, you don't have a soul, you are a soul, okay? And the soul, I would make the argument, is the most important part of you. How do I know? When you die, you lose your body for a while until it's resurrected, but you keep your soul. What that must mean is that the soul is the essential part of you because it can live without the body. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What that means is in the intermediate state between your death and your resurrection, your soul is with the Lord. So what that means is you don't just have a soul, you are a soul. That your soul is the deepest part of you. It's the real you, it's the true you. And if filled with the Holy Spirit, it's the new you. Now, the reason why this is so incredibly important is that we live in a world that almost exclusively looks at the outer life and ignores the inner life. The Bible says that man looks at the outward. And let me say, in the day of social media, that has never been more true. In the day of pornography, that has never been more true. In the day of dating apps, that has never been more true. Man looks at the outward, God looks at the heart, heart. See, we have Facebook, we don't have soul book. We're looking sometimes at the wrong thing and we're connecting at the wrong place. Um, you very rarely hear this anymore. Boy, they, they really have a beautiful soul. See, and, and particularly what I believe is this, the longer you are married, the deeper the connection becomes because even though physically you don't look like once you like you once did at the level of the soul, you're, you're far deeper and more profound than you were at the beginning. See, I'll be honest with you. Um, as we get older physically, 
If you're young, let me let you in a little secret. Here's what's gonna come. You can't eat carbs, can't. You'll blow up like a puffer fish. You can't eat any carbs. Um, and also you can't see anything. You're gonna be blind. That's just how it goes. I had perfect eyesight till around 45 and then I couldn't see anything. So I got a phone that my kids now call dad's flat screen. The phone, I don't have it on me. I have an assistant who has it on a dolly and follows me around. <laughs> my phone is that big so I can see it. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And what it says is this, as we age, our body is decaying, but our soul is flourishing. If you know a couple that has been together at the level of the soul for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, they are more madly in love and deeply attracted to one another than ever. And it's not because their body has gotten hotter, but because their soul has gotten deeper. Show me a couple that's been married for 50 years and still holds hands in praise, and I'll show you what's really sexy. I'll show you what's really sexy. It's loving with all your soul. Now, why this is important, there is something called the Diagnostic Manual of Mental Disorders. It's kind of considered the clinician's Bible for examining human behavioral problems. That diagnoses all of our mental, emotional health conditions, and it mentions our soul zero times. What that means is that the entire industry of counseling and care does not even acknowledge the fact that you have a soul. So let me say this, if you're gonna go meet with somebody like a counselor, make sure that they are a Christian that has the Holy Spirit in their soul so they can minister to your soul. A doctor can deal with the body, a psychologist can deal with the mind, a counselor can deal with the heart, but only the Holy Spirit can deal with the soul. That the deepest part of connection in your relationship needs to be at the emotional life of the heart and the spiritual life of the soul. And let me say this, connecting at the soul is deeper than connecting at the body. I'll prove it to you. There are a lot of people who are not married, let's say they're dating and they will sleep together, but they will not pray together because the prayer is too intimate. Wow. Let me say this to those of you who are single. If you put the body before the soul, you will break the relationship. You'll never get to the profound level of depth that God intends for you. And in addition, let me tell the single man, as soon as you start sleeping with a woman that you are not married to, you stop leading and loving the woman you are not married to. This is what happens in our day of dating, relating, and fornicating, which is the counterfeit trinity in our culture. It's like, well, you just need to sleep with her. As soon as you do, you have lost all moral authority because you can't say, okay, God says, honey, so we need to do what God says. She's like, I'm naked. We don't do what God says. You've lost all moral authority. And what we do then is we, we touch the body before we touch the soul. And then we wonder why God doesn't anoint and bless the relationship. It's because he wants us to touch the soul before we touch the body. This is why you begin your relationship as friends heart, soul, mind, strength, emotionally building your friendship, spiritually, now you're praying and serving and walking and worshiping with God together, okay? Then mind, now you're trying to organize an architect, should we get married and what does our life look like? Then strength or body, sexual, this is God's sequential intention for your relationship. 
You start with emotional friendship. You move towards spiritual serving and connecting. You architect your life, and then you consummate your covenant with sex. And if you will put these things in their order of priority or reset them into God's intended priority, the sex will be the last thing, and it'll be the best sex ever. Because you'll be having sex not just with the body like two animals do, but heart, soul, mind, and strength. Two total people made in the image and likeness of God brought together to enjoy their covenant and consummation. And, and so ultimately, what I'm telling you is the whole way that our world does sex, it's not only ungodly, it's not the most desirable or the most pleasurable. Because let me say this, here's a little shocker for you religious people. Who made sex? God. It wasn't an accident. It's not like God made Adam, God made Eve, God went out for coffee, came back, looked down, I was like, holy heck, I never would have guessed. I never would have guessed. What, what the heck? It, it works, but I, I didn't see that coming. I did not know. They would put that jigsaw puzzle together quite like that. I had no idea it was gonna go down like that. Right? Somebody put up a glory cloud. The angels can't see this. They gotta, hold on, don't see this. God created the human body, true or false? God made it male and female, true or false? And when you put them together, it can be fun, true or false? That was not an accident, that was divine design. Okay, and he also gave you a soul. So let me say why this is so important. What this means is, and many of you men don't understand this, and as a man, we tend not to, we don't begin here, we have to learn this. this I didn't start here. Praying with my wife, Worshiping God with my wife, attending church with my wife, being under the teaching of God's word with my wife, that opens her soul, which then opens our relationship, which then results in our intimacy. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Real Marriage Podcast. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a five-star review. We love to hear how this podcast encourages and helps you.